Are we good? <laughs> you ready for real? For real, for real, we're recording. Welcome to Go Additive, where your hosts combine their real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. Yeah, you, you maybe, maybe shouldn't dance so much. Yeah, now that this is a visual podcast, we can dance. I'm gonna be, I'm cool right here. I'm just gonna keep it. If if you right were here. on any of those uh, TV shows like The Masked Singer or The Voice, or do you think you can dance? Which show would you end up on? Dancing with the Stars. Dancing with the Stars. I'd be the star, of course. Yeah, of like course. it would be like, <laughs> you wouldn't probably be the professional like season. It would be season probably like forty when they're just yeah. reaching. Yeah, like we found this f list celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's me. We have this famous podcaster, uh, Tate Brown. Well, who I think knows? I would do Masked Singer. Maybe in a few years from now, this will be mainstream. Maybe it will. Three D printing. Maybe it will. Who knows? It's still early stages. This is kind of going in line with some of the things I want to talk about. Okay. But I saw this thing on LinkedIn the other day and it was, we've mentioned this briefly before, but if you look at the graph of kind of people's expectations of 3d printing over time, it's a cycle. It's that Gartner hype cycle. Is that what it's called? Yeah. So you've got like the technology trigger, Yep. Causes a, a vertical, almost vertical peak. Uh-huh. And then it slopes down really quickly. Mm-hmm. Into the trough of dis- disillusionment. Yes. <laughs> and then what happens? So I want to see if you can name. There are, I'll give you the number uh-huh. and name as many as you can. I'm testing your memory. Dude, again. I, this is so fun for me. It's not. It's, it's not fun. It, dude, you're so impressive. I don't know why no, no, this no, no, is no, no, no. embarrassing. Come because on. Because I'm not going to know the answer. Okay, just give it a shot. You knew one of them already right off the top of your head. Okay, so let me give you the shape. Well, I know the shape. Easily, I could draw the shape. Okay, now, you, okay. there are five terms. Five terms. What's the first? Okay, so you have like a technology trigger. Yep. And then you have rising expectations or inflating expectations. Mm-hmm. And then you have the peak, which would be called... I don't know, but this is the inflection point. So it's got to be something related to that where people start to catch on like, oh, we are having unmet expectations. What's what's the stage called? Peak of inflated expectations. Okay. So there's no okay, there's okay, no okay. name for the the I described it. Yeah. OK. And then you have this downward slide, mm-hmm. which is called the there's no name for that. Jump. We just go building. straight from there to the. Yeah, that's the, the jump. The bottom jump from the building stage, trough of disillusionment. Yeah, trough, trough of disillusionment, and then you have the recovery, which would be the I don't know slope of enlightenment. Oh, the slope of enlightenment. Yeah, <laughs> would you have actually gotten that <sighs> if you had spent Dude, some more time? I literally, and I wasn't putting you on the spot. Uh, maybe, but I did the same presentation three times mm-hmm. over the last uh, quarter. And I had two slides on this. And you've forgotten them. Yeah. That's incredible. You don't normally forget things. And then, of course, we have the <sighs> plateau of productivity. Yeah. Which the thing that I saw on LinkedIn was saying we are here. And it was just at the point after the peak of enlightenment. It's so we're hard. About, we're about to just go down. When you're in it. It's impossible to say where you are because really, oh yeah, totally. Hmm. I wouldn't say so. I would, and this actually ties into, um, I think what we'll end up talking about, but when you're in the moment, it's very hard to decipher where you're at. I I get that because you have a close up view and you need the big picture view, which you don't often have the more you're in it. Yeah, you need the big picture and you, I mean, you really need the benefit of hindsight in order to accurately place where you're at. 
Okay. All you can do is predict. But has there been anything like there hasn't been this thing that happened or this new technology or a new acronym that some OEM has come up with? Like, hey, we have this groundbreaking technology that, you know, is going to affect the entire industry or a good. Chunk you never of it. know. You never know. But look at look at a company like Surat. Do you remember talking about Surat? Yeah. They are the wide area metal printing company where it came out of the, one of the national labs, I think Sandia. And they're like, hey, we got this laser. We're going to split it up into 2 million points and we're going to flash the entire build envelope. If that works and it's economic, it will be revolutionary. But we don't know. We don't know. That'll be one of those technology breakthroughs that sends us, <clears throat> sends the cycle into another. It's just, it's hard to predict. It's hard to predict because even if the technology works, then you have the companies behind the technology and then the people behind those and the decisions that they all make, you, nothing's ever guaranteed. And then you have the greater economic climate and the timing of the release of the product within mm -hmm. that greater economic climate. It's complex, so you never know. All I, all I know is that I've seen the hype cycle and I've seen is this people. What, that's what you call it, the hype cycle? The hype cycle. I like that. Uh, I've seen that posted many times and I've seen people say we're here and pointing at different places over the past 10 years. And sometimes it's over here. Sometimes it's over here. Sometimes it's up here. Sometimes it's down here. What you're saying is you don't know till after. Yeah. And even then there's disagreement because humans disagree. I, I can see that. And so today I just wanted to touch on some stunks. Stunks. We, it's been so long. It really Remember? has. Remember the AMC thing was happening. Yeah. The game stock thing was happening. Like when we were really talking the, about it pretty often. The early pod days. Would like you say in, that was the early pod days? Well, it was like, uh, yeah, Q4 2020, Q1, Q2 2021. We were just little fledglings. Everything was just skyrocketing. And you had immense amount of capital being funneled into the additive space. Immense, unprecedented amount of capital. And even you had you had several uh, companies go public, mostly through SPACs, like in that December 2020 time range through the summer of 2021 into fall of 2021. And then you started to see SPACs kind of die off uh, late 2021, Q3 into Q4 and into Q1. Now, you're, you're not seeing many go live at all because the valuations of the companies have uh, changed dramatically over the last year. So that's what I want to talk about. Okay. What's happened over the last year? That's what I wanted to know. Okay. I looked up a few companies, just ones that I'm familiar with, and just was interested. Now, I don't have any of my personal money invested in any of these. So yeah. I feel like I can remain relatively unbiased, even I, though we interact with I, some of these companies. I think we legally have to divulge if we are personally invested in anything that we talk about well there you go which i'm not okay so both of us are <laughs> in the clear here yeah i yeah i don't own individual stocks of any of any 3d printing companies. are we just too frugal to like bet at all uh, i don't know for me i think i am i feel like i'm going to the casino which happened individual stocks i agree Oh, so you would do a compilation. You would do, uh, what do they call this? You were just telling me about it before. Where there's several companies compiled. We have. You invest in. You have mutual funds. You have index funds. Index fund. Yeah. Okay. Which you probably. You would do that. Yeah, and I am like, especially like through a 401k, that would be a typical sure. investment. That's a mutual fund, right? Yeah, typically, yeah. Your 401k teach, is teach me about my investments that <laughs> I'm making right now. Typically, a 401k is invested into a fund of some sort. And a fund could be like an actively managed sure. list of companies yeah. curated by professionals. Right. And then they break it down. This is 
these are conservative, these are aggressive, and yeah. these are moderate. Yeah. And you can kind of pick and choose that way, but you could take it to another depth and just invest in the individual stocks. Right. Yeah, you can buy and you can buy and sell individual stocks. You can buy and hold individual stocks. You can do that on a daily basis. That's Futures. What a, that's what a lot of people were trying to do over the last year is instead of working, just day <laughs> trading. Because I mean, there was a lot of money flowing. Yeah. You know, and you could get away with it. So I want to talk about a couple companies here. Two metal companies, desktop metal and velo over the last year. Um Velo being down uh, 68%. Right now, they're currently trading at, at $2.46. Desktop Metal, just for comparison, um, another new-ish metal company, down 84%, 84.71%, and their current trading price is $2.08. Um, on the polymer side, you had recommended to just, hey, let's look at a couple uh, more mature uh, companies, Stratasys. Uh, they're kind of creeping back up right now, but over the year they're down 3.64%. So a lot more stability in the polymer side, it looks like, uh, their trading price today is $20 and seven cents or currently mm -hmm. 3d systems is down 11.01% and they are trading at 11, dollars uh, and 12 cents today. So just hearing those prices, you can think, or you might think, uh, obviously, that's a small window, right? Speaking of uh, perspectives, that's a small window, but polymers seem to be holding steadier over the year. Um, and if you look at the graphs, everybody's kind of making a little comeback right now. And when I say everybody, I mean in, in the print space. So it's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Y you could divide it by polymer versus metal, but I think maybe a better and maybe a, a more precise way of thinking about it is new companies versus old companies. Uh, and maybe not so much like established companies that have, uh, <clears throat> well, what's an a, old metal company like, uh, EOS. That's exactly what I was going to, um, but EOS is not going to be traded on us stock exchange. And it may even, I'm not sure, they may be a privately held company. Eaton Vance? Uh, what about, uh, I guess, is would X, uh, X1 is older, but now that it's been bought out by DM, it's probably not listed separate. Yeah. But I think the fundamental difference is you're comparing companies that have been around for 10, 20, 30 years, <clears throat> not public that entire time, but have a uh, annual recurring revenue in the hundreds of millions of dollars versus more fledgling companies that have annual recurring revenue of less than $100 million. And so if you're looking at a realistic valuation, uh, those companies should be valued less, right? I suppose you're the one teaching me right now. I know <laughs> nothing about this. Yeah. But what I do know is just, are we making money right now? Are the investments good? It, well, would this be something you'd want to put your money in right now? Right now? It's hard to say. You could say it's a bear it's, market. It's speculative. I'm, it's lear always speculative. I'm learning this stuff. Is it at these a terms? <laughs> are, are all of these uh, shares at a discounted price from a year ago or even six months ago? Yeah. Will they further discount? Who knows? Uh, the economic environment has changed dramatically over the last six months due to, you know, the Fed and monetary policy and interest rates changing and suddenly money becoming more expensive. 2021 came on the tail end of all of the economic stimulus, you know, like trillions of dollars pumped into the economy. Trillions. Trillions. Mm -hmm. Trillions of dollars pumped into the, pumped into the economy. And so people wanted to put that money to work, right? In the same way that I bought equipment, people bought shares of companies. And they formed 
groups, SPACs and whatnot, and they went searching for places to put that money. And you have this scenario where, let's say 100 companies are looking for money and you have 80 groups looking to give money. Well, probably 80 out of those 100 companies are probably going to get funded, right? And But not all 100 of those companies are as as healthy as each other, right? You have a gradient of health in, within the companies, right? You have companies that are very profitable. You have companies that are not so profitable, but anticipate being profitable, et cetera. And they're all kind of making their case. Um, but as the money starts to dry up and, you, and suddenly you don't have 80 groups, you have 50, 40, 30, 10, 10 groups looking to fund only the, the most uh, healthy companies are going to get funded. And so that's kind of what we're seeing here. And the value of some of these companies that are newer are becoming, I would think, a little bit more realistic, less speculative, especially in the 3D printing space where many of these companies are hardware companies. And we know hardware is fundamentally different than software, especially software as a service and the scalability. Why are you laughing? You're killing me, dude. Why? You're killing me. Uh, why? Where are we going with this? I don't know. Get, get, I'm just get. talking about <laughs> the reality of the situation. Just because, okay, if just because the entire industry is down 60 to 90%. Yes. It's not that far out of line with everything else. Everything else. And just because you named a couple of those companies, I think we're not really picking on them. Although we knew from the very beginning a year ago that when these companies are being valued at 80 to 100 times their annual recurring revenue, that's maybe not realistic. And some companies like DM so really that, put that was that could align with the peak of disillusionment. Well, seems reasonable to think of that way to me. I, you know, I don't know about that because or the peak of uh what's it called the peak of inflated expectations there we go thank you yeah but it's not just a technological phenomenon it's a market-wide phenomenon does that make sense especially the companies that's really started to see their decline over the past five months uh it trends with the market Companies that really started to see their decline summer last year, perhaps it is a realization that these companies uh, may not be hitting the targets that, that they set out to hit uh, because they were ahead of the curve on the interest rate jumps and, you know, the inflation and, and everything else that's putting downward pressure on the company uh, valuations. So maybe in some cases, but when, when the valuation of these companies was high, some companies did a great job of putting them that value to work. Like I think DM stands out in using that, that stock to go out and buy technology, buy customers and establish a fairly well-rounded suite of offering. Not all companies put their money to good use that way from my perspective can you name any examples do you have the guts <laughs> dude <laughs> i'm giving him a oh hard my time god. i'm giving oh him my a god. hard time i i'm, I'm not okay i'm not <laughs> i'm so <sighs> i just want to try and incriminate you in I know. some way I know. one of these days tyler's too smooth you have to know that even just on a day-to-day -day here at Go Engineer, Tyler will never say something potentially incriminating. It doesn't matter yeah. if it's water cooler talk or here, but one of these days, I'm going to get you to slip. Probably not here. That I don't want to yeah. affect you. That slope of enlightenment, 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 though, that is the time period where healthy companies will ride that slope upwards and unhealthy companies will not. 
And we are in a time period now with the, the pressure, uh, that the competitiveness of the entire industry and probably some impending, uh, mergers and acquisitions, just a shrinking of the players, the companies that tread that intelligently and rationally will come out on the other side. So really looking closely of how they're spending. For example, there's probably going to be, I mean, the invest, say the early investors into all of these companies that we're talking about right now, they are looking at their investment thinking, well, what, how are we going to pull out of this? Right. And if you continue to burn cash, thinking that we can burn cash because we have more funding available to us three months from now or six months from now, uh, because that's the way it's been for the last two years, that's no longer the case. Does that make sense? Sure. And so, especially companies that have cash on hand, that's, that's going to be very valuable over the next year. And not all companies have enough cash on hand or they, they all have a burn rate. So you have to look at their burn rate. You have to look at their cash on hand. What's their runway there? And <laughs> why did I bring this up? I don't why know. Why did I bring this I up at all? I don't know. <laughs> Tyler, Did it not go the direction you were hoping? You're just a miracle. You're just a miracle of a person. You, you build me up way too much, <laughs> way too much. All right. I now changing subjects. I, I want to get away Did, from the stonks. I'm you I'm, dove in, I'm, and then you're like, uh, I, don't I dove like this. into what I thought were clear blue waters. What did and you it think? turned into a swamp. Dude, the charts are a bloodbath for everyone. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a bloodbath. Oh my gosh. Okay. So let's, <laughs> let's move it on. Don't be mad. At me, I'm not dude. mad. I'm just kind of, you had an exciting story. So I don't want to spend the whole pot on this. You told me about something interesting that's happening uh, with the Chinese company or yeah, the, the Chinese government, I think. Is it? Yeah, I think so. And I looked into that a little bit and it was pretty cool. It's actually yeah. kind of cool. So tell, tell us more about that. Well, I don't know a lot, a lot, there hasn't been much released, but there was a story this week about the Chinese government pursuing a project to build a 590 foot tall dam, uh, completely autonomously. And the headlines use the word 3d printing, but I think that is a stretch of the term. I I don't see any signs that it's 3D printed. This this headline in the way we think about it that I'm reading uh, it says um, China to build AI powered 3D printed hydroelectric, and yeah. there is some confusion around what the technology, the base technology they're actually going to use is. It hasn't been stated. I'm willing to take a wild guess. What? It's another one of these concrete printers. No, I don't think so. You don't think? No. I or think, or a bunch of printers working together. Obviously, it's, no. it's AI. You don't think? I don't think it's really accurate to say it's going to be 3D printed. I think that they're going to use unmanned uh, heavy equipment and build it traditionally layer by layer by layer by layer. But... But they're in their front end loaders. They, and they can just call that 3D printing. Yeah, that's what I think what's happening. No, I think so. Time will tell. It's supposed to be done in two years, but I think that's what's happening. I think it's traditional heavy equipment. So think front end loaders and excavators and, you know, track. So you think this, this whole article is a, a sham clickbait? I think using the word 3D printing in there is. Clickbait. Yeah, I do think so. So according to reports, the dam will be constructed entirely by AI powered robots, which you're saying could very well be traditional heavy equipment. Um, but here it says, which will act as a giant 3D printer. So you're saying that these little these little ants are going to build an anthill and call it. And I'm not saying. Yeah, I'm saying I'm. Wow, um, I could get myself into trouble with that. The ants being the heavy equipment yeah. are going to build this thing. And 
autonomously yeah. it's, or with AI. It's kind of a This is dumb. It's this, ex, it's I don't an, think that's what this it's is. It's an exercise in perspective. Okay, so <laughs> Yeah, it is. So think about this. It's ants on an anthill creating an, an anthill and calling that additive manufacturing. Yeah, but what is a filament printer? This is yeah. This it's is a going roller. down. This is going down this it's road. It's a heater. Yeah. And they're working in this tandem. This is the welding robots that are creating additive we had a, processes. Didn't we have as a well. whole episode on this? Where it's been so long, I don't know. We definitely had a a discussion about the misuse of the term 3D printing. And you think that's what this is? I think so. I don't think it's 3D printing in the sense that is commonly accepted. Will it become a future usage? Yeah, but is it 3D printing when we build a skyscraper layer by layer by layer by layer? No. Whether it's done with human labor or not, we wouldn't call that 3D printing. I'm I'm with you on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I just don't think that's what this is going to be. I think this okay. will be some sort of gantry we'll see. style. We'll see. Or at the very least, some. Oh, my We have goodness. to go on site. This could be so bad. We got to go yeah, to China. We got to go on we gotta site investigate. to investigate. You we, think we'll be able to get budget for the tickets? Well, we have to confirm our story. It's journalistic uh, integrity. At, yeah. We have to. Well, we're. <laughs> we're we're just making speculations yeah. at this point we're not reporting on anything can i share one story that's completely not printing related okay i almost went insane last night so <laughs> does this happen often yes but not to this degree i literally i literally was fuming so i'm trying to hook up my sprinklers to put some water on my grass and my sprinkler timer uses Bluetooth and the little receiver I plug inside my house, the Bluetooth receiver, and I couldn't find it. But I remember seeing it. Wait a second. The sprinkler timer is Bluetooth. Yeah. And where is that located? The timer's outside on the hose faucet. Okay. And then the Bluetooth receiver is inside plugged in. It's okay. a USB stick. Gotcha. Okay. So over the weekend, as I was getting ready for the wedding, I was frantic looking for a watch. And I remember seeing that receiver. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that thing exists. I need to plug that in. Fast forward like five days. And last night I'm looking for it and I can't find it. And I searched the same spot over and over and over. Every place in my house, I searched eight, ten times just over and over and over. I was fuming. I'm like, I know I saw it, whatever. And I'm just my wife's like, you got to you got to calm down. Just forget it. I was like, okay. So then I pull out my phone. I was like, well, maybe I'll just try to connect to it. No signs that it, I, that should work. It connects to it. <laughs> it connects to it, which means it's plugged in somewhere, which means I plugged it in. I have no mem I have no recollection of this. And I can't find where it's plugged in my house. I searched everywhere. Please tell me that you found it. No, you still haven't. Found I still it. haven't found it. So now at this point, you need to go down to your box your electrical box and just start, start flipping breakers yeah just start flipping the breakers turning off little stations at least you can then <laughs> dial in where this it's thing driving might be. me it's it's could driving you have me plugged insane. it in in your basement I somewhere i searched just to test it i searched oh my goodness can you believe this what made you think of this it's been gnawing at me <laughs> you just <laughs> you had to bring it up yeah well we i think that's the best route to go start Turning things off. I mean, in the house and see when it disconnects. It just gives you another glimpse into like the not so uh, the side of me that is not in line with what you. What I appreciate you've been saying. that. I appreciate that. Completely insane. Well, we know there's weaknesses. You know, you've got yeah. your Achilles heel. I do. Maybe wanna... your memory isn't so good. Yeah. So um, this, this isn't numerical. Yeah, you did say that it was it was numbers based typically. And I made no claim. I made no claims. I did that for you. I yeah. apologize. But I do think that this discussion around the Chinese dam can lead into a topic that interests me. And that is what's the logical conclusion of 3D printing and maybe within the greater context of like industry 4.0. What does that do to the labor market? Because this dam 
is supposedly going to be constructed entirely free of any manual intervention. And you can only imagine a dam of that scale, it's massive. It's going to be a 5 billion kilowatt hour hydroelectric plant to have that main structure built with zero human interaction. You're that would typically be thousands of not, jobs, not zero human interaction, maybe no intervention at the level of yeah. where it would traditionally be manual labor. Yeah, no manual labor, more skilled labor, right? And maybe that, the programming. I don't of, even know if that's like that's not the way I would describe it. I just think jobs. I don't worry about like labor being replaced by machines because I don't really think that it takes away a job. You know, I so? think no, I think it just displaces that particular role and creates some other job somewhere else. So whether it be through technology, whatever, I just think that our skills might change over time as a society. Yeah. Like maybe there will be fewer people that are in a, a traditional labor role, but that doesn't mean now on, you know, that we had all these labor people and now they can't get a job. I don't think that. I think those people just start changing their skill set. And if you don't, you die. Yeah. This is historically, that's kind of what it's been, right? Historically, as technology develops, you temporarily displace people out of the workforce. Sure. So there might be some lag time. There is lag time, but they recover, right? And that recovery comes from basically re-educating people. But the pace of innovation is not constant. The pace of innovation is increasing rapidly. So what do you do when human jobs are replaced at a rate that's faster than you can train new people? How do you surmount that? How do you catch up? Education. Yeah, but you can only educate so quickly. And so look at... Well, those things don't just do themselves. So, for example, I worked at a place where we had a robotic welder. It was kind of newfangled technology for us, right? People have been using them for probably a decade or more, um, well over a decade. But for us, it was new. And just because we had it didn't mean that all of our welders lost jobs. But it also didn't mean that it was like this instantaneous implementation, this smooth, seamless implementation where it's like, oh, all of a sudden it works. It's like, no, people had to work on it. Someone has to program it. Someone has to make it work. And then it requires some hands-on interaction, whether that be through maintenance or setting up uh, guards around it, mm -hmm. a, a workstation, whatever, or a facility creating a separate room for it. You need traditional labor there. Someone's got to put up some sticks and drywall yeah. to surround it. So I just don't like, I just don't see it being, oh, we're falling behind. We've displaced all these jobs like that. I do think that there is that interim period that's being filled with new jobs and new roles or maybe even traditional ones. But now, you know, where I work in a manufacturing facility, maybe, you know, hiring drywallers and, and framers isn't like our traditional, but while we put this or implement this system and need a new room for it, we are hiring out for that or we are. So I don't know. I just don't see it being like this straight. Yeah. Black and white. There is that gray area where you're still using traditional labor and tactics do you think that well why was the robotic welder purchased efficiency what does efficiency mean we had enough of the same type of part or assembly listen to that laptop boost, boost mode yeah it's turbo yeah my laptop's turboed um we had enough of the same type of assemblies that we thought we could reasonably automate some of those processes and free up some labor. So we weren't planning to fire any of our welders. It was just like, hey, on, on these types of assemblies, let's send those to the welder and that way we increase our throughput. Yeah. So efficiency for us meant just producing more. 
well, had that, enough orders that we needed to produce at a higher clip. That's that's a big part of the debate. Uh, as you start to transform people's jobs, you you either become more productive and continue to grow, or you establish some stability, which reduces the total number of work hours needed, and perhaps people start to work less, or you start to actively displace people and you don't replace their jobs and you start to reach disarray. It's not really clear which direction you go, but the fact that it took some time for you guys to implement that, mm -hmm. I it's only going to get faster and faster and faster. And because there's economic pressure to make it faster. Like if there's economic pressure to implement a robotic welder, there's economic pressure to make that implementation as quick and as cheap as possible. And I don't disagree with that. What I'm, what I just want to point out is that there are certain processes that we're not going to get a cheaper or far, far cheaper, more economical option than a traditional method. So take, for example, CNC machining. Mm -hmm. We still have manual machinists that make a killing yeah. or that find a job somewhere. You know, there aren't a ton of places that are like, oh, we have zero manual machines. We don't have a lathe and we don't have a manual mill. Like even a full on job shop still has typically a manual mill and a manual CNC. And they've got a guy who's a specialist on that because your cnc guys the kids maybe you know youngsters may not know even really like sure they learned in school but like this isn't their bread and butter yeah they're focused on the cam side of things i went to a place just recently almost all their whole workshop works uh with handwritten code still those guys are pros at reading lines of code and eliminating the garbage right but they're also guilty of not looking to yeah. advancements and, and new procedures that could improve their efficiencies. I'd also be very, very surprised if those are growing companies because there's companies that exist that just like, Hey, we have five or 10 people on staff and this is what we're going to have. And this particular company was, it was growing. Yeah. And what They're was, killing it. what was the ratio of old manual equipment to new automated equipment probably 80 20 if i'm throwing a guess out there automated versus manual they had the equipment there they even had um there's an acronym for this but they had a, a robot loader mm -hmm. on a couple of their machines a robotic loader <clears throat> and it could interact with people so if someone walked by it wouldn't just bump into them it had some oh, intelligence yeah. a cobot a cobot yep um so, I mean, they were looking forward, but there are just certain things that they weren't going to do. And I'm not saying every company is like that, but people will find that you're not going to totally eliminate something you may overnight. not. You may not. But I think this will surprise you. Between, what? How? Between 2010 and 2016, <laughs> worldwide, the number of manufacturing jobs... Do you think it grew or do you think it decreased worldwide? Oof. Between 2010 and 2016 was it, which was a, it probably shrunk. It probably shrunk a ton, it but shrunk. That, the, the, the housing boom or the, the housing crash in 2008 probably had a ton to do with that. It's just like what we're seeing with the restaurant industry right now. All those people lost their jobs and they started looking for stability or something else. A desk job, maybe. Maybe you were a framer before and you're like, you know what? I did take this coding class. I'm going to get into that. Yeah. But that proves my point. In reaction to the crisis, organizations found new ways of increasing production. But that didn't mean everything else efficient. disappeared. I'm not saying it disappeared. But what I'm saying is 10 years from now, everything's going to move a lot faster. The, the pace of progression, especially in... The industry, the quote unquote industry 4.0 thing. So automation, machine learning, robotics, advanced manufacturing. These things scale exponentially once they're implemented. Sure. 
So it will be an unprecedented revolution to the labor market. It will be it will be at a scale that's totally different than steam power, electricity, the advent of computers, all of the previous in industrial revolutions. We're just going to have to power through that outside noise. Yeah. <laughs> Do you agree with that? Do you think it's Here's another stat. 50% of jobs today could be automated away completely. 50%. Could. Could. Haven't. But are they? Haven't, but could. Now, they haven't, but in a large part, I think that government plays a role in, in eliminating the the job loss. Like if disappearing jobs starts to become a thing I for, just, I, for any I nation, know it's an unpopular opinion and I need more backing, but I just do not believe, and I'm going to take, I'm going to like dig my heels in. I do not believe that we are like just losing jobs. Like that automation means job loss. This is why it's a debate. No one knows. Yeah. No one I, knows. And I don't know how many people stand with me on that. Yeah. But like, Dude, I, I grew up doing construction, you know, I, as a 17 year old, 16, 15, uh, my summer job was doing demolition work and probably breathing in a lot of asbestos and, yeah. and things I shouldn't have. But I, I, I liked engineering. I liked building things. I had this natural personal progression that moved me toward this role and I don't think that's unlike a lot of people. Maybe they won't take the path I took, but I'm just saying people are dynamic. You know, I do feel bad if folks feel like they can only do what they've ever done or only learn what they've ever already learned or only improve a skill that they already have. But I do think modern folks are, are prepared to be dynamic and change roles. I know people right now that are, they're going to have no choice. They're going to have no choice. Something like 30% of people are going to have to change careers. Well, and you make it sound like that's a bad thing. No, I'm just... It's actually not, really cool. I'm not implying that. But many people don't adjust very well. Well, mm. all of us. It's human nature to be to find a comfortable spot and try and stick there. And it's disruptive to your lifestyle, right? Sure. If you hit a certain level in your career... Well, and you're and a manager. Then, you get this. Like, you... You totally get the fact that people resist change. It's like the hardest part about management, I'm sure, is anytime you make a tweak or a change, people fight you on it. Yeah. And you're like, this is getting back to our perspective thing. This is for the better good of our team. Or ultimately, this will have us be better at our jobs or more efficient, whatever. Um, improvement somewhere. That's probably the hardest part. So yeah, we're, we're going to resist change. That's never going to change. Um, but I do think that people are better at being uncomfortable now. It's not like your parents are teaching you, Hey, Tyler, you know, I'm your dad and I'm a CPA and I think you should yeah. be one too. And it's really provided right. a lot of stability for our family. Um, and you're like, going to high school thinking you're going to be an accountant. Like that's, that's it. Yeah. The end. I'm going to carry on the but family you, business. If, it still if happens. change happens too rapidly, there are very few opportunities for you to change over to, right? If, if what automation, if automation hits like lightning and you take those 50% of the jobs that are completely automatable away, you take this is never this is this is why this is a silly let's thing say, to let's say. say in the next that, 10 that's years. never gonna happen let's say the it's next never gonna years. happen like that when i say lightning i'm talking about let's say a decade okay which is very sure on the scale of what we're talking about mm -hmm. it's very rapid on the scale that we're talking about but you're you're also talking human life which is not getting longer or shorter that's not scaling with the speed of everything else so right. me as a human i'm not that plays if into i'm it. adaptable if I was born to be adaptable, if I was taught through high school, and this is where getting back to education. Sorry, I'm passionate about this, maybe more passionate than I have I love been in it. the past. I love it. I just think that, you know, folks are folks are dynamic. Let's say this. The pace of innovation is 
is accelerating, right? Mm -hmm. So if you take the last 30 years of technological change and then how, how long, just, just what's your gut feel to achieve that same level of jump 30 years. If you start today, how long will it take us to achieve like that same level of jump? 15, half the time. It could take even less than that. Sure. So in the human life, the human career is only like 40 years long. And your ability only. to your human, yeah, your human career is 40 years long and your educational period is let's say 15 years on average, 16 years or 12 to 16 years, 12 to 20 years, something like that. Uh, the, the pace at which we're learning, the pace at which we're learning is not going to keep up with the acceleration of technological. See, and, and it doesn't have to though. It doesn't have to. Like I, I can tell you right now, I've learned more from YouTube than I probably did from college. College helped point me in the direction of what things to look into on YouTube, yeah. right? Like Khan Academy, one of the coolest things out there. Khan Academy, I was terrible at math all growing up, just didn't care. Maybe I had ADD. I couldn't pay attention. The numbers didn't appeal to me. Geometry, nailed it. Love geometry. And that probably has to do with my slight obsession with kinematics. Like I, they've always looked mm -hmm. and made sense to me. Right. Um, but I didn't really learn math till college. Khan Academy got me through college. You know what I mean? Like what I'm, what I'm saying is I'm, I'm making this personal, but the resources are there to learn more and faster than we ever have. I'm not sure. I know you don't agree. I well, I'm we, just going to poke some holes. I'm going to poke some holes. Okay. I know I went through a lot of math in school. Mm -hmm. I don't use any of it because we have software that eliminated that skill for me to do. Mm -hmm. So am I Yet smarter? They still teach it in school. They will. They do. But we someone's got to know. Someone does have to know. But the number of people that have to know how to do differential equations mm -hmm. is shrinking sure because that skill set even if you did learn it a you're gonna million forget times it. better than computer by computers yeah and there are so many examples of jobs or parts of jobs that can be done on several orders of magnitude better by computers sure and as computers and algorithms and programs and software improves the scope of what it can do better than humans and faster than humans and more accurately than humans and more reliable than humans is going to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And what I'm saying is that that doesn't mean if anything, it means there's going to be more jobs. That may be I the don't, case. I don't think it's a reduction in jobs. Yeah. Getting back to my main like passion yeah. and point is this just creates more. It means one person can do more and we can do more things and we can accelerate technological yeah. advancements or just advancements in anything really, but it still requires someone out there to do something. Yeah. Now maybe it means that one person can tell more people what to do. I don't know, but ultimately I just, I don't think that it's going to lead to like a reduction in jobs. I just don't. I almost think that it has to, or at least a reduction in number of working hours. Really? I think so. If that's the case, hell yeah, brother. It has <laughs> I to hope be, so. Well, here's the thing. I hope so. It has to be one or the other. I don't think so. So why? Why? People have been people have been predicting that productivity will decrease the work week uh, for over a hundred years. You know, Keynes in the late twenties predicted that. Technological transformation will result in a three-hour workday by the year 2030. So this is <laughs> this is the premier economist okay. of the time. And he's the this economist. Is fun. Should we should we make a part two? Maybe. Of this? This is this is good. And what, we are running time? we're running up against time. Are we? We're just over 50 minutes. Okay. Time flies when you're let having me, fun. Let me just uh, say something. So his economic theories, his macroeconomic theories are what kind of shaped 
U.S. monetary policy all through the 40s and the 50s into the 60s, and then you started to see some changes Mm -hmm. um, in that point. But after the financial crisis in 2008, people started going back to Keynesian economics a little bit. You freaking nerd. But he predicted that technological change, he saw it as a positive. He thought that it would reduce the workload of humans, but it hasn't. In fact, the workload of a human hasn't changed. The, the number of manufacturing people within the manufacturing realm has largely remained unchanged for 30 years. There's only like a 1% difference over this 30-year span. We definitely need a part two for this. But economic output has gone up 60x. So there is demand for more, 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 but we... We have limited resources. We have environmental issues. Mm-hmm. We have all sorts of issues. So we're always going to be trying to do more, more, more with less, 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 less. And labor is a part of that. So I will say there are outfits that predict more jobs will be created. McKinsey did a study that said like 300 million jobs will be created from Industry 4.0. There are studies that say 800 million jobs will disappear. So it it's not yeah. science, and this the goes disappearance back. of of a job. A a job doesn't mean okay. So not, here's an example. You have to know the definition in this case. Exactly. No, in this case, I'm saying disappear. That job is gone. Okay, so it doesn't exist anymore, but something else probably does. That, like my my Ufi, for example, which I don't have, but let's say I do. The 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 autom- automated vacuum cleaner mm-hmm. we have to take this to yeah, another episode I just, okay let's it, end it with just one question because you eliminated a broom now there's a broom maker somewhere that's bummed out like the old witch's broom the the wooden handle and the straw uh bristles mm-hmm. right he's no longer now we have synthetic brooms but we also have these yuffies maybe the synthetic st- brooms are still being made but we eliminated the wood handle the the wood handled broom maker job that doesn't mean he couldn't have gotten a job with Ufi. doesn't mean he couldn't have gotten a job with the synthetic broom makers if he adapted there's probably more jobs at the synthetic broom maker and Ufi, for example than there ever was it was just one guy making broom handles before i think that's that's the crux of this debate is is that a safe assumption that for every job that's eliminated, I think one so. will be created. I think so, because why? I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live in fear of my and job being eliminated. Will, will it be created at a pace at which someone can fill it? I think so. You already said so. the young people don't know what a manual mill is. They have no interest in learning what a manual mill is. Not all. This is None of this is without exception. It's a good debate. I love it. It's All right, a good man. Debate, but we're gonna have. I'm to gonna call listen it, huh? back. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna listen back to it. I'm gonna take a couple notes. Hopefully, uh, someone will call me and be like, "Hey, man, <laughs> this is how I think," and give me some tips and pointers. <laughs> so we'll see. Because I do. I want to have an educated approach yeah. to uh, if we're gonna do a part two. Should we continue this next week? Yeah. All right. Let's do sure it next. Let's do it next week. Cool. All right. See All right, you. man. See yeah. ya.